This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. Not every guest takes me up on the opportunity, but I like to do a segment called The Mic Swap, where I make my guest into the host, and then I become the guest. I let them take the conversation wherever they want to take it, ask me whatever they want, and uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. This is Mic Swap. All right. All right. Well, this is uh, Bill Coletti, and I am hijacking Jeff's shareable podcast, and we're going to have just a great conversation so that I can learn from him. And when I learn from him, hopefully you're going to learn some things from him too. So um, Jeff, thank you for Mike Swap giving me this chance to sort of, you know, hijack your show for a, for a little bit and have a great conversation. So um, let's dig right in and talk about a couple of cool things. Cool, cool. So, you know, what's really interesting for me is to talk about transformation and, you know, becoming, being one thing and turning into another. Is there a spot, a moment, an experience that you had that you reflect on as being really, really transformational from you? Could be your a personal journey, a professional journey. Uh, could be your transition from a little boy into a man. What is that sort of? What's that moment? What's that transformation uh, that was most meaningful and most impactful for you? There's a lot of them that I can point to, and on a recent. Uh, podcast, I shared a story about my mom. So I'm not going to use that one. I'm actually going to share one that I don't think I've talked about very much, which is um, it was March 1st, 2011. Mm -hmm. So the uh, several days before that, I had been working as uh, the director of the social media practice group at a PR firm. Mm -hmm. And I had been there for 11 months and I was let go. Mm -hmm. I was brought into the office, collected up my stuff. And I was in a cab home with a box on my lap with all my stuff. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And one of the clients that I had been working with while I was there um, had called me and he was like, what's up? I hear you're no longer with, with the company. I was like, yeah. So it just didn't work out. And he was like, well, I'm where are you going? I'm coming with you. And I was like, I'm on my way home with a box on my lap. Like, that's that. That's all I got. And he's like, all right, well, let me know what you decide to do. So I went home and it was at that moment that I decided to start a company. Cause I'd always wanted to, and I had started multiple ventures throughout my life, but this was the, the big one, right? So March 1st, day one, I call up this uh, client. I say, Hey, it started a company. I started a company literally over the weekend. I went to a diner, sketched out names for the company, sketched out logos, the whole thing and came out the next day, March 1st. And I had started a company and I cannot tell you that I have never felt anything like it before that, mm. where I realized this is what I'm meant to do. Mm. I am meant, I, the freedom of not having anyone to answer to except my, like to literally be able to have open road in front of me that it is entirely on my shoulders. I get to decide what I do, how I spend my time. That was so liberating. And I had not realized until that moment that that was even a real honest to God possibility because my prior efforts had failed. And this one, I just, it felt different. It hit me different. I was like, this is going to work. And that started the journey of running my company, my agency for seven years uh, and growing every single year. And I never felt more alive doing work. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, do you still get uh, occasional headhunter calls? Did anybody call you and try to recruit you to bring you back to the agency life? People constantly are trying to hire me. And yeah. the number that I say that it would take for me to leave doing my own thing just keeps going up and up and up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm almost at the point where I'm saying like, it would take you a half a million dollars a year just to get me to leave. And I probably would still only stay for two or three years mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. like, I'm just so miserable when I work for other people. And I'm, 
I would rather be broke work for myself than rich work for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, why I, is entrepreneurism so scary? Why are people so fearful of taking a step? Some people are like all in, they know as a 12 year yeah. old, they're going to be an entrepreneur. Some people, agency folks like you and I, we love that little warm cocoon of a big agency. Why, uh, why is entrepreneurship so hard? So challenging. You know, I, 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 I have a different take on it now than I would had you asked me probably like, you know, a handful of years ago. And it was partly because my wife was working for an advertising agency and um, that position had, had come to a close. And as an entrepreneur, I had been running my company for several years at that point. I was like, why don't you start a business? Because to me that like, I, I find that as an entrepreneur and I, other entrepreneurs, I know that's like our first instinct. We're like, well, all us just do your own thing. Like that's mm-hmm. the easiest mm-hmm. thing, right? Obviously you can just start up a company. So I encourage her to do this. And three weeks in, I, like, I just see the terror on her face. Like mm. it, she's, she can't decide what to do. She's paralyzed with indecision and with fear and with what if this doesn't, and all of these things and all of the things that when I experience all of those emotions, they just fuel me. I'm just charged by the idea of like everything being taken away from me and like mm. not working. And like, it's all about proving all of those doubts wrong. And it's about climbing that mountain. So what I think what makes it scary is the same thing that makes it exciting to entrepreneurs. It's just about personality types and how they relate to it. And I think there are people who are, um, I would, I would liken how I feel working for someone else to how non-entrepreneurs feel working for themselves. There's a, there's a fear Mm. and a paralysis that hits the same way, I think, but it's caused by two very different circumstances. So I feel confined and disinterested and demotivated and like I'm shrinking into myself when I work for other people. And I've seen non-entrepreneurs try and start something. And I see a very, very similar thing where they don't know what to do. So they shrink, they retreat. They can't step up to it because they're just paralyzed by the indecision. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel when I work for someone else. Like I have to ask somebody for permission. I don't want to ask for permission. I just want to go and do the thing that I think I want to do. So I think that's ultimately where it comes down to is it's, it's the same conditions or, or I'm sorry, the same reaction, the same feeling, but bait, you know, um, that, that comes from different circumstances. Yeah. I had an entrepreneurial buddy, a guy who started an agency, did his own thing, very similar journey, did his did a thing. And the phrase he kept using, he says, man, I'm like a feral cat. I could <laughs> never go indoors again. I, I have to be in the outdoor. I've got to be in the wild. And I think about myself and you didn't quite say this, but I think you're close. I would be a horrible employee. The worst. I would be the worst employee and I would try really hard to be good, but I couldn't help but just suck at being yeah. an employee right now. hundred percent. A friend of mine uh, introduced me to a phrase. I've been holding on to it since like 2012, 2011, psychologically unemployable. Yeah. I am psychologically unemployable. Like you yeah. just can't hire me. And it's better than feral cat. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's funny because people have offered to hire me. And what I'll say to them is I'm like, listen, like I get that you want to work with me, but I have to encourage you that if you want to work with me, the best thing that you could possibly do is hire me as a consultant. Let me make sure that I, it, it's like when you get in bed and you're too hot. So you stick your one leg out. Yeah. It's like that, right? Like you can buy half of my hours from me. You can buy half mm-hmm, of my time. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But if I feel confined in your space, I'm going to act out. I'm mm-hmm. not going to listen to what you say. I'm not going to be able to think with the same flexibility and creativity and everything that I have. So if you if you like working with me, that's great. But let me just save you on payroll costs and, and health insurance and all of those things. Just hire me as a consultant. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a that's a smart way because I just it would be bad for everybody, yeah. me me them and everybody in between. Uh, it would be a bad bad a bad equation. You know, when we go on that journey, when we transition from agency being an employee, a cog in the wheel. I remember talking to a, an entrepreneurial friend right as the beginning of my journey, and I was really kind of ego bruised because I too got let go, and, and that sort of cast me on this journey. Is um, is I was like, you know. I'm just embarrassed to say that I'm an entrepreneur. I used to be at this big firm and had, you know, these big, huge fortune 500 clients and really got off on this really great big work. And I was really sort of hat in hand about being an entrepreneur. Did you have that ego experience is that, you know, I mean, I'm just going to be working for these little nickel rockets and these little tiny companies. Um, it took me a while before I really, really valued the people and the work versus that I was working for, you know, Fortune One, Fortune Ten, and Fortune Twenty uh, size company, and I, and I, I much more appreciate now. But my ego got in the way that um, I needed that big title at the big firm that everybody heard of, as opposed to my little rinky-dink firm that nobody heard of. I will say that because my definition of success is somewhat different, I think than um, than kind of the more common one. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a funeral director and he said to me when I was a kid, find something you love to do so you never work a day in your life because mm-hmm. you otherwise might end up burying dead people. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's morbid, but I'm six. <laughs> but it stuck with me because um, the idea of just going in and just doing the thing and then coming home and like, that's your life. Like it, it just couldn't resonate with me. And I had so many pivotal experiences throughout my life that reinforced that like you have this one shot, do something meaningful. Mm-hmm. So because of that, um, I, I, you know, I had some imposter syndrome throughout the years. We all do of like sure. questioning my skills, but in terms of questioning whether or not, um, you know, it, it was impressive enough that I was an entrepreneur. I, I would say this, I saw a TikTok recently of this guy who was saying, I have all these friends and they've got kids and they're all like, oh, I got it. And the kids and it's great. It's, you got to have kids. You got to have kids. You got to have kids. And he's like, tell me what your perfect day looks like. And they're like, oh, well, the, pa- the grandparents would take the kids and I'd sleep in late and then I would go fishing. And then I would this. And he's like, I'm living your life. I'm living your dream day every day. Why should I have kids? And I think the exact same thing about entrepreneurialism. I would mm-hmm. say to somebody who has a job, what does your best day look like? I'd wake up whenever I want. I would set my own schedule. I'd be able to take off in the middle of the day to go and do my personal errands if I needed to. And you know what? If I decided to take a day off, I would take a day off based on when I want to. I wouldn't have to ask permission. I'm like, I'm living your dream life. Okay, so I work four days a week. I set my schedule. So I start at 10 and I work as late as I want. I work late because that's when I like to work. I don't have to answer to anybody. And if I have an idea that I want to run with, I can do it. And if I do something where I screw up, guess who has to pay the consequences? Me. And I don't have to answer to anybody else. I don't have to explain myself to them. I just have to deal with my own shortcomings. I am living what I believe is what a lot of people want. I have freedom. And because of that, if we're going to talk salaries and things like that, like I do just fine, but like, that's not my metric. My metric is I live a dope life. I do really cool stuff. Middle day, I'm getting to talk to you right now. How many Mm -hmm. people right now are like trying to get something out the door that like realistically doesn't matter? Like I pick my clients. I get to fire clients if I don't like them or Mm -hmm. they do something unethical. And that sort of freedom, man, you couldn't pay me enough to trade that in. Yeah, no. And that's awesome. But it's sometimes in those early days 
sometimes in those early days, it's hard to see that vision. It's oh, hard 100%. to see or feel what you feel now. Yeah. Um, and it took me, you know, so I've been on a seven year journey. It probably took me two or three years of teasing with, uh, with headhunters and trying to go back in this place and interviewing, but really not being very into it two or three years of really leaning in to, to working like a dog to, to grow my own firm. And then the past couple of years has been much more like that model you're describing, yeah. but it's um, it's like catching a wave and you got to paddle hard oh, on yeah. the front day, the first days uh, to, to gotta get out to the break. But once you get the break, it's a great ride. A little bit uh, of a roller coaster too, though, because oh, like, yeah. you know, the, the one thing that has remained consistent in entrepreneurialism, and I think kind of back to your original question about why are people scared? I think that a lot of people have a hard time, with the, with the up and the down part, the roller coaster mm. of the, of the entrepreneurial journey. Whereas like, if you get to just go in and whatever you do, good, bad, and different, not enough to get fired, you get to collect a paycheck every two weeks, that level of stability and security is very comfortable for people. And if you were sure. to say, Hey, for the next month, you're not getting paid at all, go find food. You know, like that for some people is absolutely terrifying yeah. to me. Like it seems to be the only environment I know how to thrive in is in this like everything is great. Everything is completely on fire sort of. Um, and, and the waves don't get as big anymore. Now it's more like things are really good and like, okay, it's down a little bit, but everything's still fine. But I remember early on, it was like, it was constant. Like I'm going to be homeless. Like that was mm -hmm. like the, the thought that went through my head a lot um, was like, I'm going to be a millionaire. Nope. I'm going to be homeless. And it was just that ebb and flow of that. And it was really tough. And a lot of people I think struggle with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. They do. So what, so you said four days a week. So describe your perfect fifth day. What's your perfect fifth day? So my perfect fifth day is I just watch my daughter. Uh, she's mm. a little over one. So I take mm -hmm. Fridays off and I spend all day with her mm. and it's the coolest. We play with blocks and we watch Mickey mouse. And like, that's amazing. Like mm -hmm. I'm an adult and I get to sit there and play with blocks and like, you know, teach her words and like, mm -hmm. look at her adorable little face. And, um, yeah, that's priceless, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's the only thing I would change about the day though, is I would get up later. This kid wakes up way too early. Like baby body clock is just yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. not cool. I'm not a pre eight o'clock type person, but like six o'clock every day we are, we are up and about. Yeah. That's super, super, super exciting. So we were chatting a bit ago about, um, make sure I get it right. Superhuman Institute, superhero Institute, superhero Institute and what it's going to become and, and what it is. Can you sort of share, tell me a little bit more about that? Cause I just am super excited about the concept you've got there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, a coaching certification program for uh, existing people who are existing coaches or who want to become new coaches. But uh, the methodology is essentially this. It starts out with the superhuman framework, which is a uh, five-part uh, framework for essentially unlocking potential. It gives you the tools. There, I call them meta abilities. They're mm -hmm. sort of the abilities that allow you to unlock other abilities. And once you learn this framework, you basically are able to carve out your own destiny of what it is you want to do, create your own schedule, create your own career, all that sort of good stuff. But it is rooted with the superhero code, which is the 10, um, the 10 things that you agree to basically to keep you on the path of the hero rather than the path of the villain. What comes after that, once you're Superhero Institute certified, is there's going to be an entire body of um, additional uh, courses and trainings around things like brand, leadership, culture, marketing, sales. And mm -hmm. then we're going to add additional modules, um, you know, productivity and um, you know, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm going to basically be bringing in experts, superheroes that have their own superpower and knowledge set that they're going to share with the Institute. And the idea is that all of these coaches have access to a vast 
body of knowledge from a lot of brilliant people that help them continually level up and get better and better and better. And the goal is that you, you have access to this. You become a part of this because you want to be empowered to go out there and change the world for the better. You want to go out there and see to it that the world is safer, kinder, more equitable, more fair, more justice, um, and that we are basically forming a movement of superheroes because that's ultimately what this is about. I believe the world would be better if we had more superheroes out there that are fighting for justice. Oh, that's just powerful, powerful stuff. So I am not um, a keen follower. I know enough superhero pop culture just to, to be cool at cocktail parties, but it's my perception that if we dig deeper into superhero lore and superhero, the, 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 the universe of superheroes, is that there's a lot of personal angst and anxiety that roots in superheroes. We hear about Superman's strength and Batman's crime fighting and, and all of these different things and all the great things that the Incredibles do. But there's some underlying angst. So first of all, is that generally accurate across the whole superhero universe? And then how does that fit into you, the work that you're doing about that, that really human aspect of fear and angst and, and you know, challenges that people have? hundred percent accurate on all of that. Essentially any good superhero origin story has some sort of deep conflict or else it's not particularly interesting. Like somebody who has a perfect life that grows up and they decide to become a superhero and they become great and everything that if there's no conflict, there's no interesting story there. Right. And um, you know, any hero's journey story is going to have some form of conflict. So yeah, on a, sort of on the one hand, every good superhero story has to reveal something about the human condition or else it's not a particularly compelling story. Um, so that's the first part. The second part is in terms of the uh, how that factors into the the kind of the purpose behind the superhero institute is that the world can be a really dark place. It can be a really unfair place. And granted, we've made a lot of progress as a species in many, many ways, but there's still so much more work to do. And I think somewhere, somewhere in my, uh, the birth of this idea for me is the is so much concern over the fact that there's anyone out there like that, that isn't treated fairly, that isn't treated kindly. It doesn't feel like enough that doesn't have the opportunity to live a really extraordinary life. Right? Like, so my big cause is homelessness and the idea of somebody sleeping on the street just absolutely kills me. Like, I don't understand how we have that in the richest country in the world. So for me, the superhero Institute is a response to the negative forces that are out there, the forces that don't allow us to be free, safe, equitable, kind. I want more of that in the world, whether it's in business or whether it's in life, but particularly it started because I think our businesses need to be more ethical. They need to think more about humanity and less about their bottom line. Not that we can't think about obviously making money, but I, I think there's something bigger here. We're a species and we're on this floating rock on a spaceship, you know, going through mm -hmm. the universe. And like, all we've got is each other. And mm -hmm. all we've got is this time that we're here together. And we should be doing as much as we can to work collaboratively to make a better world. So that's underlying all of it. And what I see is the opposite of that. So I feel like, you know, if there were no great threat, there would be no need for superheroes, right? Like every superhero story, there's a super villain. And there's a lot of villainy out there. There's a lot of awful stuff that I think that we just need we need people who are empowered, skillful, artful, creative, and excited to be involved in fixing those problems. Yeah, that, that mythology of the hero's journey is magical. It's magical interpersonally, it's magical at a corporate level and a storytelling. I just love that mythology of, of amazing story and how that hero's journey impacts 
a lot of us. And we get, if we unpack it for ourselves, it's so, so powerful. So yeah. I love that. That's great work. Give people something to grow into, you know, like yeah. inspire to be your best because yeah. otherwise, I, and, and I guess that's probably my own hang up and bias is like, I'm like a 10 out of 10 on self-improvement. Like I'm constantly trying to level up mm-hmm. and maybe not everybody wants that. And that's mm-hmm. fine. But this is for people who think like that. And they're like, you know what? I want to continually be the best that I can possibly be. Yeah. That's what I'm after. Do you ever feel like that's off-putting to some people? Sure. Not, not everybody's in that space. And that's kind of this, you know, Jeff woo-woo weird stuff that he's all kind of with all this self-improvement. And I'm just trying to struggle to, you know, get pizza on the table for the kids. Totally. Uh, so I don't really have room for that. Yeah. Totally hundred percent. And and I think for people who are in the struggle, yeah. my message is not a, you could be doing more type message, right? Like that's mm-hmm. not what it's about. It's, it's more the, everybody has the opportunity to dig a little deeper and do a little more and feel more empowered and gain mm-hmm. more skills and, and position themselves better. But the world is a remarkably unfair place with all sorts of things that are insurmountable for mm. individuals and even groups in a collective. Mm-hmm. So the, the goal is not to put any sort of onus on people to feel guilt or any sort of bad way about what they've accomplished or what they're doing. It's not what it's about. What it's about is it's a call to arms for the people who feel that they have a responsibility to use their gifts, their privilege, their position of power, whatever it is, to make a better world. That's who it's for. And yeah, it, I'm sure my way of being is off-putting to some people because I am mm-hmm. aggressive about it. I can sometimes be like a steamroller in a conversation. And, um, you know, I think that the naive optimism, like the, the holding on to the belief that we can be better and do more is not well-received by some people because they've given up or that they, yeah. they just see the world in a different way that I can't understand. And, um, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying this is how I see the world. And if you align with that and you're down with what I'm trying to do, come be part of the superhero team. And like, let's go change the world as best we can. And for the people who are in the struggle, the hope is that the work that we're doing makes a lot less of that struggle for people. And a little inspirational. Maybe they can yeah, find some, some sliver of it. That's good. So, so let's wrap up. Let me ask you this question. So we are recording this in the summer of 2021. Um, a year from now, we get back on the podcast, we have a conversation, we continue to have this conversation 12 months from now. You are super happy. You are ecstatic. You're even happier than you are in your normal state of happiness. Why are you happy? What happened in the past 12 months to make this past 12 months so awesome? So I would be uh, expecting the uh, either expecting or just had our second child, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, if all goes well, according to plan. Uh, so we would have our second child. Whose plan uh, is that? Is that your plan or someone No, else's it's our plan. We did. Okay. <laughs> we, we worked out together. It wasn't a unilateral decision. Uh, so second kid, um, uh, book launch, really successful, hopefully. Um, you know, for me, the book launch is, is less about how many copies sold and the impact it makes on the people that the, the book was sold to. So mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. The, the main metric that I'll be using to gauge success. So successful book launch that I feel good about. Um, and then the superhero Institute becoming my primary, um, day to day. So right now, a lot of it's still under construction. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of tough to, you know, work with clients and, and I have like all these different projects, but the superhero Institute, I want to be my primary thing where, where it's m- the majority of my focus is on building that and continually growing it and bringing in more coaches 
and being more active and present and building a community around superheroism. Mm -hmm. So that would be the most exciting thing for me that I'm, I'm getting booked to do speaking engagements to talk about leadership, I'm putting together additional curriculum, I'm bringing in more superheroes, and all the while we've got uh, these two beautiful kids in the house. So a baby, a book, and a business in 12 yeah, months. That's yeah, pretty awesome. Exactly. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, Jeff, this is awesome. Thank you for being a part of this great conversation. And, you know, it's sort of my hope that what we talked about and that this is shareable. Wait, don't leave. If you've never listened to my fancy outro, do it just once for me, please. Okay. If you enjoy shareable and you find it valuable, there's a few ways that you can support the show. One, you can share it on social media, which I strongly encourage. I mean, it's literally the name of the show, Shareable. Two, you can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an Overcast user, as many of my listeners are, make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like. The third way that you can support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing. You see, Shareable is just one of many projects that I'm working on at any given time. I've got another podcast called Rogue. I do a live streaming show every week called The Heroic Council. I've got a blog where I release a blog post twice a week. And if you're looking to keep up with all sorts of different content that can help you grow and become a superhero in life, I want you to check out jeffgibber.me. That's where I list all of my current projects and projects that are coming up in the future, including my forthcoming book, The Lovable Leader. It would mean a lot to me if you could go and check out some of the other things I've worked on because I put just as much of my heart into those projects as I do into Shareable. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for being a supporter. And I hope to see you here on the next episode of Shareable.